Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to have your company. The world needs to be more like people are on the Camino. I, I have really not seen anybody unhappy on the Camino. So I think that it, for some reason it brings out the best in all of us. That voice you just heard is this week's guest, Thomas Duane. And you're in for a real treat this week. Before we get to Thomas, this is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James. The Camino, translated from Spanish, is the way, the way of St. James. And I heard someone at my work this week say to a colleague, if you really want to do something, you'll find a way. And I thought, whoa, there are so many worlds colliding in that sentence. What about if we replace the A with the? If you really want to do something, you'll find the way. It's almost too perfect. The Way of St. James is a pilgrimage or a series of pilgrimages across Europe. Pilgrims walk with the blessing of Christ's apostle St. James. James is the patron saint of Spain and most pilgrims walk the Camino hoping to conclude their pilgrimage in the town square in the city of Santiago de Compostela, which translates as St. James under a field of stars. You walk into the square via an arched portico, the sprawling cobblestones ring with the tone of a lone piper beneath the archway. You've arrived. I mean, really arrived. And it's a blessing like no other, really. You hug strangers, you stare up at the soaring steeples of the cathedral housing St. James's remains. And you think to yourself, what now? Pilgrims walk together and alone, at pace and at times very slowly. They talk, but mostly listen. They sing and hum. Their whole being hums. It's that humming you hope will stay with you as you get back to those you love, your community, your life, your reality. If only every day was a Camino. A chance to live your best life, be the best you. A pilgrim. Well, if you really want to do something, you'll find a way. St. Bernard wrote, More things are learnt in the woods than from books. Animals, trees and rocks teach you things not to be heard elsewhere. My guest this week wrote to me in August last year. The message derived, as it turned out, on my birthday. It was a lovely birthday gift. Thomas Duane wrote to tell me he and his wife Diane were preparing to walk their third Camino. So let's bring Tom into the discussion. Welcome, Pilgrim. Thanks, Dan. Let's start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You're in Atlanta, Georgia. Sure, sure. Um, I grew up uh, just north of New York City and moved to Atlanta about 31 years ago. I actually live in Roswell, which is a suburb of Atlanta. Um, I'm married to Diane for 35 years. Uh, we have three grown tr- children, uh, Rachel, Hannah, and Bruce. Uh, plus, we have one 16-month-old grandson, Aaron. Oh. Oh. I'm retired. I retired in May of 2016 from a career in sales. And that's pretty much it. How fantastic. How did the Camino come into your life? Yeah, that's a real good one. Probably not not very different from what a lot of people say. Uh, my wife attended a church conference in 2013, and as the entertainment they showed the way, ah. she came home <clears throat> and told me about it. 
and said, you know, I said, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Um, but I still watched the movie. And, you know, I was just sold. You know, one thing that stood out to me is that scene towards the end where where Joe walks on his knees towards the St. James statue in the cathedral. Yeah. You know, it's just one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in a movie. It was just great. So, so I, was, I was really hooked at that point. And I eventually, uh, as I approached retirement, the thought that maybe I could do the Camino came into my mind. So I thought that'd be a good kind of a goal post-retirement. So uh, again, I retired May of 2016, and then we trained that summer and walked the Francis route from St. Jean to Santiago. A year later, in September 2017, we walked the Primitivo with our oldest daughter, Rachel. And then this past September, uh, we've, we had to reschedule three times because of COVID, but we walked with our second daughter, Hannah, from Lyon to Santiago. And God willing, in the future, we'll take our son, Bruce. Yeah. How lovely. I, I see that your, your Facebook profile um, says, proud dad, lucky husband, grateful son. Family mm-hmm. must be very important to you. Yeah, yeah, sure. It really is. Um, I was raised by a very loving parents who worked really hard to give me and my siblings all the opportunities they could. And so now there's just nothing more important to me than my own family. So I'll, I'll do anything for my family. Yeah, that's great. So how does the Camino resonate with you now that you're home in a day-to-day sense? How how do you how do you sometimes say to yourself, "Oh, that's the Camino talking to me," or that feels like a memory from the Camino? Yeah, um, be honest with you, whether it's intentional or not, yeah, I, I I see everything through the the Camino and the lessons that I learned. You know, it's, it's kind of cliche, but that it's a metaphor for life, and um, it's really helped me um, through good and bad times, just to you know, just carry on and, and, and have a little bit more of a perspective on life and, and not get hung up in the moment. So I think about it often. Do you think that you needed the Camino at that time of your life? Did, it, did you get a sense that, oh, this is something that I've, I could have done earlier or was it the right fit for the right time for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I'm not, my personality is I, I like to prepare for things. So as I approach retirement, you know, I read a lot of books and I talked to the pastor of our church and, you know, I really wanted to do it well. So I had a lot of questions and on, on top of retiring, you know, each of my kids was going to be, my last child was going to be out of the house by about that time. So there was a lot to process, you know, as a dad, I was no longer going to be a breadwinner. I was no longer going to be, you know, a dad in the same way. So I didn't realize it really, but it came at exactly the right time for me. So it kind of helped me think about, you know, what the next step would be for me and, you know, what life will be like uh, in a little bit of different situation. Yeah. You mentioned that you've walked the two Caminos with your daughters, one just before she got married and a subsequent Camino with your younger daughter. Tell us about walking with your children. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. We're a close family and we, we like doing things um, socially together when we are together. So we get along very well. And I guess like a lot of families, as our kids got older, you know, they sort of became, you know, almost like friends as much as, as your children. So um, it wasn't that hard. Of course, each of my uh, children, they have different personalities. You know, where Rachel 
I don't know how to describe it. She may be a little bit more um, emotional. Mm-hmm. She's an artist, so you know that's a little bit of a stereotype. But she would tend to be more that way. Where Hannah's more practical, and you know, she was. We didn't have to worry about her in the Camino. She did all the training and all that kind of stuff. Rachel just sort of wung it a little bit. So, other than personality differences, it was still great. We we we'd spend each day generally walking together, not always talking, of course, but. Yeah. Um, just enjoying, you know, time together. Yeah, and it's something that you'll share forever, isn't it? Something that you'll always have. Yeah, it's it, it really is. I mean, that's really my my reason. I kind of drove it uh, instead of my wife Diane. I'm having the kids come, and I really, you know, obviously I saw the the value and how much the Camino meant to me. And I just, uh, I guess, I was playing dad. You know, Rachel called it an intervention almost, where. I really wanted to expose my kids to to that. I'm not sure they were necessarily as ready as I was to do the Camino, but I know that they they certainly got a lot out of it and and learned their own lessons. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's 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 an opportunity that you took when you had the chance, and what a blessing to have had that opportunity as well. So great. Yeah, it's yeah. funny because our, on our last Camino, you know, we were at a cafe and um, one of the a guy next at the next table figured out that we were with our daughter and he, you know, he basically said, you know, his daughter would never do it with him. You know, they just, she just, you know, didn't necessarily like hanging out with her her parents. So I guess we're kind of lucky that we have kids that want to hang out with us. And the other side of it too, like we were talking to this guy, he said a lot of times, you know, the younger people might want to do it, but the parents aren't necessarily fit enough to do it or they don't want to do it. Yeah. So the fact that both Diane and I wanted to do it, uh, we're fit enough to do it, and our kids want to do it with us, you know, it's a pretty special situation. Yeah, that's right. How wonderful. Um, are you a religious person, Tom? Yeah, I was raised, um, I was raised Catholic by my, by my parents. I'm, I'm now Presbyterian, but um, ever since I can remember, I was always raised to believe that um, you know, there's something else. It's it's not all about us. Um, there is a greater power. You know, over my life, that's just become more and more clear. And I'll tell you, I don't know how you, you know, you walk the Camino and see how beautiful it is. And you just see how, you know, beautiful p- other people are throughout the world and just, and, and, and not just conclude that there is some sort of high, higher being that created our world. So, in that respect, the Camino has really um, confirmed my beliefs. Hmm. Yeah, wow. What a great answer. And tell us about the Spanish culture, that slow tourism, as I sometimes call it, of step-by-step journey through those little towns and highways and byways. What is it about the Spanish yeah. culture that you so wonderful? Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, um, it's, the, it's the attitude, it's the sense of community, it's how welcoming they are to pilgrims. I mean, I, I really expected, you know, especially with Americans, Americans tend to, I'm not sure it's always fair, but we tend to get a, a reputation as not being the best tourists in other countries. And, you know, to have all these people, you know, whatever it is, 300, 100,000 odd people come to the Camino. And I just kind of expected that the people would have a little bit of a, you know, be put off or have an attitude. And it's quite the opposite just find the people so welcoming and, and, you know, beautiful to pilgrims. Um, it just made, you know, it just made the experience. And then of course the beauty of Spain, 
Of course, Spain has a very unique cultural and religious history. I mean, you could really argue it's kind of like nowhere else with the Moorish and Christian influences. I think the other thing is, you know, it's not that long ago when Spain was not really so open to the world. You know, so it's still, it's still a kind of a developing country in a lot of ways, despite the long history. So you almost feel like you're going back in time. Yeah. You know, when you're going through these villages, and that's that's pretty cool for people. I mean, you can't get that in a typical vacation. Well, certainly not in Australia. <laughs> There's nothing nearly as old as that here, that's yeah. for sure. Well, that, I often clarify that by saying, of course, the First Nations people have been here for 60,000 years. It's one of the oldest cultures on the planet. But why do you think we need to get away from the hustle and bustle of modern life? Why? I don't have the hustle and bustle myself now in my life, but the way I like to answer a question like that is, I think in our lives we end up playing different roles, so to speak, whether it's, you know, whether I'm Tom the son, I'm Tom the father, Tom the friend, Tom the coworker. And I think on the Camino, I felt that I got closer to my real essence and who I really was. I mean, there's no pressure to be anything everybody's equal. All I was was a guy who walks every day carrying everything on his back. And that's a pretty good feeling. It's a good way. I don't necessarily like this expression, even though I use it a lot. Um, You know, in the Camino, you get to check out a life a little bit. And for me, that's a good thing. It helps me center myself, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the Camino is trying to tell us? Um, Well, I've heard this answer before on your podcast. I mean, I I think it's telling us that the world needs to be more like people are on the Camino. I, I have really not seen anybody unhappy on the Camino. So I think that it, for some reason it brings out the best in all of us. <laughs> and, you know, I just think um, it, 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 everything's simple. I think in our, our busy lives, we, we complicate things. Um, media complicates things. And it just leads to a lot of, I think, focus on where we disagree. And I've found in Three Caminos that even though I can tell, like, you know, if you say politically some people might be different than I am, I also see that a large part of what they believe, I believe too. So I just think we're more alike than we all realize. And that's, that's probably the, the biggest lesson I've taken from doing the Caminos. Wow. Yeah, we are more alike than we probably realize. Yeah, that's so true. Did you and your family walk, your daughters, did you walk together? Did you walk alone? Or were you always stride by stride, three across? How did you walk? When I, uh, my wife and I did the first Camino, you know, we did the, we did it from St. John. So it was a lot longer. We were able to build several Camino families and we would tend to separate a little bit. But on with my daughters, and the second one, on the, on the Primitivo, we generally stayed together. And doesn't mean we talked all the time. We might be, you know, 50 yards apart. We generally stayed together. Last Camino we did was in this past September during COVID. And, you know, that was a lot different. There were people out there, but there wasn't as much. I didn't feel as many people mixed together. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, I mean, my last two Caminos were only a couple of weeks, so... You didn't tend to build the relationships you did when you do a longer Camino. You know, I understand why people cannot, you know, it's hard for people to get time off, you know, out of their life. 
to spend a month. But I, I would strongly encourage anybody that does have the time to do a longer Camino. I think a, a month's time is, is really the best thing to do if you can. So you mentioned the, the Primitivo. How, in your view of, of, of journeys, does the Primitivo compare to the Frances? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the Primitivo is just, it's absolutely beautiful. I loved it. I like to tell people on the Francis that I think just about anybody can do the Francis, providing you don't have some serious physical issues. You just have to do it in your own way. Mm. But that's not really true in the Primitivo. I think you need to be physically pretty good. It, it's, you know, it's all in the mountains. The plus is it's, it's, it's a little cooler because you're in the mountains. The negative is you might get a little more rain. It's it's more beautiful than the Francis. Um, you know, it's comparable to when you go over the Pyrenees, but it's almost like that every day. Wow! So that's really great. Um, you also don't get you don't get the variety. So the beauty about the Francis is you get all kinds of temperatures and weather and terrain, which I really think adds to the whole experience. So you know they're both great uh, for different reasons. But I would be careful recommending the Primitivo to somebody that really wasn't ready for it physically. And plus, there's a lot of kilometers between stops, too. So you really have to make sure you have, you know, a snack or, or water or whatever. Sure. And so this last September, which w- w- were you on the Primitivo then? No, the last September, we, what we did is we went from uh, Lyon to Santiago. Okay. How busy was it in September 2021? It was pretty busy. It was interesting because Americans, I think, were still afraid to fly. Yeah. So we didn't see a lot of Americans. Of course, we saw no Australians because you, you all were shut down. But yeah, um, no Koreans. Not. I don't think we saw any South Americans. It's mostly Euro- Northern Europeans that we saw, in, you know, in Spaniards. So we didn't have the variety, but it doesn't mean we didn't meet really interesting people with interesting stories. We saw. We met several super long distance walkers that, you know, were walking for months. It was good. Like I said, I just think um, COVID didn't, I mean, you're walking around, you don't have to wear a mask walking. I don't know what it's like in Australia, but like in the U.S., you know, you'd wear a mask walking into a cafe or a restaurant and then you sit down, you can take it off. It was the same thing in the Camino. And if you're sitting at a table outside, you don't need to wear a mask. So it really wasn't much of a burden at all. And I found that Spain, the Spaniards, they still, a lot of them wore, like when we were in Santiago, a lot of them still wore a mask while they're walking around. So uh, I think as a country, they've done a really good job. Yeah. Well, all the restrictions are winding back here in Australia now, indeed. Uh, it's I'm talking to Tom Saturday night, Georgia time, Sunday morning in Australia, and I'm doing a gig this afternoon, um, and there's a big crew of pilgrims coming along, actually, and we can finally sing and dance for the first time in just over two years, so it's going to be fantastic. Wow. Yeah, we've nice. all been through the ringers, and we're out the other side now. And let's get on with it. But one thing I I find really interesting, and and I know there will be people listening right now saying, "Oh my God, I can't believe you just asked that question." You wrote to tell me about preparing for the Camino and plantar fasciitis. Yeah, what is it, and how did you treat it? Well, I mean, it's a pretty common thing for people that walk or run, but I guess. Your plantar fascia is the connective tissue that kind of supports the arch of your foot. Um, so, you know, a lot of us, when we, well, as we get older, also when we walk and run too much, everything gets kind of tight. 
So the problem comes when everything gets too tight and it just it causes pain in your arch, the bottom of your foot and your heel. And I didn't really have it too bad, but you know, it can be like you feel like your foot's broken almost. You can't even walk on it. So yeah, I think when we communicated I was kind of fighting that a little bit. And I was able to I did a lot of stretching and I I work with an excellent massage therapist who who got rid of it for me. So I was ready to go in September for the Camino, fortunately. Wow, that's great. That's great. Let's step onto the Camino for a moment. Uh, do you walk in the dark? Do you leave early to get a head start and not walk in the hot sun? Well, the last two we've, we've done, the short ones, um, the weather wasn't, wasn't very hot. You know, the first one we did from St. Jean, I mean, we had weather from... I swear it was 100 degrees Fahrenheit one day, and it was 38 degrees when we were walking up to Cruz de Ferro. Wow. So we had a whole variety of weather. But in the hot weather, yeah, we'd get up early and walk just to get ahead of things, and that was helpful. But I, we still like to, you know, as you know, doing a Camino, you, you don't really hang around. So I don't, I don't think we ever left any later than, or yeah, no later than 7, 7.15 in the morning. yeah. yeah. You know, I think it's important to have a headlamp, of course, because of that. We had one, so I would kind of lead the pack leading, leaving. But it's kind of nice walking in the dark anyway, once you get yourself going and just look for that first cafe stop. <laughs> the Cafe Con Leche. Yeah. <laughs> What's the most important yeah. item in your backpack? I guess it goes with the assumption that the pack itself fits you well as well as your shoes, and especially insoles are, are vital, I think. I have a real problem with blisters on my toes. So I had read in a book a while ago uh, about using kinesiology tape. I don't know if you're familiar with that, or K-tape it's called. Right. Um, it's kind of a flexible tape that breathes well. And I use it just as like kind of like Band-Aids. So I know certain toes will get blisters. So I literally, from the beginning, just tape those toes ahead of time. And it really helps kind of keep blisters at bay for me. So that's important to me. But um, I don't think I've heard many people say what I'm going to say next. But one of the most important things for me is my phone. And I know people say you're supposed to, you know, unplug and all that. But I, I like having, you know, a couple apps on my phone, of course, taking pictures. But most of all, I, I, I just love music. So especially on the long days, I love to listen to music, you know, my headphones. So... To me, that's really important. I think, you know, beautiful music just enhances the, the beautiful scenery for me anyway. Yeah, right. Are you listening to pop music or rock music or classical music? Um, yeah, kind of a variety. I don't know. Okay. It's, it's always hard. Whenever somebody asks me that, I say, let me just show you some playlists on my Spotify. Right. But right. the one thing that, came, that, that sticks out, to give you an example, when we first, uh, our first day on our first Camino, walking out of St. John, you know, you start going uphill. And at that time, I was listening to some music. And my favorite song is called Holocene by Bonnie Iver. I don't know if you're familiar with it. but Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it was just like it, it came on by chance on my, on my phone. And it was just at a beautiful point. And, you know, there's a line in that song that says, at once I knew I was not magnificent which I, I don't know what he had that intending to mean, but for me it meant, you know, it's kind of a big world and it just reminded me to be humble and 
I just felt really fortunate. And I think that listening to good music while you walk, it again, it enhances my experience, but I understand why people want, want to avoid it as well. But for me, it's, it's a necessity almost. I've never, no one's ever said the phone before. That's really interesting. What's, yeah, what's, yeah. <laughs> the Camino police will be after me. <laughs> what about you? Do you listen to music? I know you play it, but I, I, I do you don't. Listen to it? I don't. I yeah. love. I love the 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 metronomic effect of the crunching of the feet. Uh, I, that's, yeah. I just. It just. It puts me in a trance. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I would. Yeah. I would say it's a, it's a long day, so there's plenty of time to do. Both, you yeah, know, yeah, do it both ways, right? Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm a voracious listener of music at home. Like, I'll listen to two, 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 three hours of music every day. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the Camino is a chance for me to sort of switch off a little bit, and it's also yeah. I'm always listening for an opportunity. Could I sing that song? Could I play that song? So it's yeah. it's always sort of a, in the back of my mind. It's a kind of process rather than just a switching off, but. It, Go back to your very first Camino with Diane and is there one thing you took that first time that you didn't think you needed and didn't take again? Yeah. I had a friend of mine that's he's hiked the Appalachian Trail and when I told him that I was doing this and it was 500 miles and I was wearing trail runners, he said there's no way they're going to last. So I carried a second pair of trail runners for really until I hit Lyon and then I said – you know, this was not a good choice, and I I shipped them home. So that would certainly be something. The other thing, I guess, was I probably brought more, like kind of like a um, first aid kit. Uh huh. And I I didn't really didn't need to bring any of that. Of course, there's pharmacies all over the place. So yeah, I'd say those two things. I was pretty good with the clothing. I think my my pack was about 15 pounds. So it wasn't right. too bad. That's not too bad. Yeah. What about sleep? How do you and Diane go? Sleeping in albergues. Yeah, well, our first one, we started out, I think we, we booked maybe the first couple of days, and then we sort of, from there, just, we got our Camino family, and we ended up staying at different albergues. But as time went on, and I, this is more me than Diane, but I kind of realized it's, it's all I can do to get through a day walking in the Camino, and I want a little comfort. So we tended to get more into private yeah. hostels or whatever, and and pensions. So it became less of an issue for us to be with a group of people, you know, where you'd have somebody next to you snoring. So (laughs) I'm probably a bad one to ask that, that one too, because we tend to, you know, do it maybe a little, little higher end, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Now let me ask you a a really difficult question. Is there a favorite part of either of the Caminos where if I picked you up and dropped you back, you'd like to be placed? Uh, Yeah, it's, 
Well, the Primitivo has a couple days in a row where you, there's a part of it called the Hospitalis route. You have two choices, and it's kind of the upper route. We took that. It's pretty hard, but it's really beautiful. And then the next day, I think it's called Grandes del Salime. It's like a big reservoir. So those two days on the Primitivo are just amazing. Wow. On the Francis, though, I don't know. I, I think it's because a couple of our pictures we've taken really stick out with me. But I absolutely love the walk from Astorga to Robinal and then on to Fonsa Badon. It's just you're starting to go uphill, and I yeah. think we've walked that in the mornings a couple times. It was just great light, and we have some beautiful pictures from that. Of course, I love the cruise to Pharaoh. I'll just never forget when we, the first time we walked, you know, and all of a sudden you can see the Iron Cross sticking up, yeah. and it, like, took my breath away. You know, it's just an amazing place. Uh, I know it's generally just a pile of rocks, but I don't know. You feel something there, all the emotion over the years that, people have expressed there you feel it you know it's like a holy place so i i love that of course the first day over the pyrenees is beautiful uh we were lucky enough to have a perfect day and you know i love the Meseta. like when i think of the camino the image that pops in my into my mind is of a winding dirt trail that extends to the horizon you know which you get on the Meseta. so I don't quite understand why anybody would want to skip that. I, I just think it's it, that's an awesome part of the Camino. Yeah, yeah, I really love it. So too. I couldn't give you one answer, but <laughs> there's a lot of answers. No, that's I like it. I love it. You took me back. That walk between Astoria and Rabanal is really beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, are, you go right by the Cowboy Bar. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's right. I remember it well. Um, I remember speaking to Rachel Rukert in, in one of my very early podcasts. She said, Dan, at least once on the Camino, you're going to hate walking. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. yeah. Well, especially, I think especially if you do the, the Francis from um, St. Jean, you know, it's the classic, there's three parts to it, you know, the physical to start and then the mental and then the spiritual in the last third. So, of course, you know, towards the end of the physical part into the mental, that's when you say, you know, my darn feet hurt. I don't freaking want to walk today. And then somehow you just get up and do it. And then the end of the day, you're like, wow, I made it. I feel pretty good. I mean, I'm sure you've had it. I've had days where I could, I finished the day and I could barely take my, my shoes off. My feet hurt so bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you have a cold beer and you, you talk with some other folks and you know, everything feels better. And then somehow the next day your body recovers and you go again. So I think that's probably just part of it. You just, you kind of push through and somehow you do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's interesting how that, uh, even sometimes a dreadful night's sleep can just rejuvenate you and you're up again and into it again the very next day, bright and early. Do you walk regularly now, Tom? Are you, or are you training again before another Camino later this year, perhaps? Yeah, I, I pretty much walk almost every day. I live in um, a very walkable part of our town, and there's a um, there's a park maybe three quarters of a mile away. So I'll usually like my go to is maybe about an hour, and then you know if I'm, once I'm tra- if I'm training for a Camino, of course I'll increase that and then you know do some hills and carry my pack here and there. But I personally think, at least for me. Um, I would advise people that the most important thing to do for training for a Camino is to really know your feet, you know, walk enough so that you can know like where you might be weak, you know, whether it be blisters or soreness so that you Mm -hmm. can address it. 
Um, but as far as training, I'll start. We're thinking about doing a Camino, our next one, maybe the spring of 23. So, you know, we'd probably start training a couple months before. But I wouldn't say we train super hard, but some of that is because, well, my wife Diane's in great shape anyway. But um, I think it's more just, again, getting our feet used to it yeah. more than anything. Yeah. And in that preparation, would you ever do a 25-kilometer walk? just to get one out of the way or one in the bank before you head to Spain? No. Right. I, I wouldn't, but um, I don't, I'm trying to think when we trained the longest we'd, I mean, there's no way you can train for the Camino. You can't train to walk that far every day unless you walk that far every day. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I think what's probably more important again is have your feet ready, you know, carry your pack. Cause that'll affect, you know, your knees and, and all that. And, but I think that, Maybe just make sure you start off a little slow, which that's a lesson I'm still learning. Our last Camino, we I think our first day was 32 kilometers, and I really paid for it. So I think I think start slow in the Camino, let your body get used to it, and then then you know you can crank it up a little bit later. Yeah, but yeah, I don't think I don't I don't know. I I guess it's to each his own. You have to know yourself, and yeah, yeah. Um, I'm generally in decent shape, and like I said, Diane's in really good shape, so. The training was a little less important, maybe for us. Yeah, yeah. To let's cast our our minds back to your very first Camino, yours and and Diane. Do you think when you got home, it and you reflected on on what you'd been through together and alone, did it meet your expectations? Yeah, that that's a hard question to exp- to, to explain. Um, but the you know my first Camino was a little weird because I knew it would be hard. In fact. When we booked our flights, I booked my flights seven weeks apart. Um, we had the time, but I, I was—I said, if I really have trouble, I'll just, you know, I'll just take it super slow and we'll finish somehow. And if I happen, if it happens to go well, then we'll have extra time just to be a tourist in Spain. So fortunately, the latter happened, and we finished in I think thirty-three days, and we had plenty of time off. But um, to answer your question, I, I think it's—it's it's hard. But at the same time, it's very doable for most people. You just, like I said before, you need to be smart about how you do it. So I guess because I was so unsure the first time about whether I could do it, I'd say it definitely exceeded my expectations when I was able to complete it. Yeah, that's so great. And I suppose the question that needs to follow then, how has it impacted your life, you, you and Diane? Aside from marrying Diane, I mean, the Camino is the absolute best thing I've done in my whole life. I think it's it's made me more confident, um, but mostly I think it's made me more open-minded. Again, like I said earlier, just meeting people and, and realizing how much we have in common, it's just made me feel a lot better about our world, um, despite you know the images and the, the you know what media puts towards us in terms of negativity. I think most people are really, really good people. So. That's the lesson I learned. And like I said earlier, too, most things in my life I, I see through lessons I've learned on the Camino, whether I consciously realize it or not. But it's a journey, you know. I certainly don't have it figured out. You know, <laughs> I keep going sure. back and trying to learn the lessons over and over. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. By doing the Camino. And do you, do you, can you see the Camino being part of your life for many years to come? I hope. Yeah, good. I think we're planning, like I said, I've taken my two daughters. We'll, hopefully, God willing, we'll take our son at some point. Tentatively, we're 
Diane and I are hoping to do the Francis again, like I said, in spring of 23. I'm even debating about trying to start a little bit into France more, you know, a few stages in, just to experience France more. Yeah. I don't know if you knew, but I walked from Lourdes to Saint-Jean. I know. Yeah. I know. How was that? Yeah, it was absolutely magic. I thoroughly recommend it. I thought it was wonderful, yeah. really wonderful. Yeah, and it's a, the French culture and atmosphere is is it's it's different, but it's it's beautiful, really, really beautiful. It's a really lovely walk. It's a very challenging walk, but it's 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 amazing. Tom, I want to finish, if I may, with a quote from Saint Bernard, um, and I wanted to, perhaps you might reflect on it. It, it. He said, "More things are learnt in the woods than from books. Animals, trees, and rocks teach you things not to be heard elsewhere." What do you make of that? Hmm. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, a lot of people, when they talk about um, walking in nature, they feel closer to God, I think. Yeah. So that's the first thing I think about. So I I think being in nature, we quiet our minds and maybe we're more open to lessons. Yeah. That's the first thing that comes to mind on that. Yeah, yeah. And then I I should have mentioned, and, and you sent me the most wonderful uh, letter that Rachel wrote to your other children after she returned right. home from the Camino. And it's just, just such a great, great, <laughs> great passage of, of, of writing where she tells some funny stories. And, but she sums it up by saying, you know, little bits of pieces uh, of her are now in California, in Canada, in England and Czech Republic with other pilgrims. Isn't that a lovely thing to have learned on her perspective and and you must be delighted that you were able to provide her with that opportunity yeah and then you know you can tell reading it she she probably went into doing the camino with you know kicking and screaming a little more than our other daughter hannah did um but she came around like we all do you know we learn our lessons in the camino one way or the other and i think at the end of the day she really took hold of the the lessons that you can learn there. Yeah, and because she wrote about meeting people from California and Canada and England and the Czech Republic yeah. and, and getting to know them. And then in the last paragraph, she, she says in, in the piece, I'm writing to tell you that mum and dad keep being pilgrims. I see no other way. I'm also writing to tell you that mum and dad took me to Spain and now I am a pilgrim too. I hope that you, you won't start a coup. Mum reminds us that we have majority yeah. rule or abandon me or call me parents' pet but I'm still your cool older sister and your cranky older sister too. I just have a lot of hiking gear and pieces of my heart residing elsewhere, some in California and Canada and England and Czech Republic, but namely besides some piles of bullshit in rural Spain. (laughs) So great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's a good writer. She's funny and gets her point across and, yeah, and, it, you know, she wrote it. Yeah. You didn't get into it, but, the, you know, we had a tragedy on that Camino, too, so. Yeah, tell us about that tragedy. Well, we had, we had a Camino family of, I guess, five or six of us, and it included a, a father-daughter, and I mean, the, the father was, he was about 75, and they had hiked since, they had hiked together since um, she was a little girl, you know, thousand times they hiked together and one one day and he was he was definitely a fit hiker he was a big strong guy anyway so one night we had dinner and we sat at several tables but after dinner i kind of patted him on the back and said hey see you tomorrow we'll walk tomorrow and that was our plan 
So the next morning, I I get up and go downstairs, and I can see um, Diane and Rachel with their arms around the the daughter, and and they're all crying. And I'm I'm thinking, oh boy, my first thought is something happened to my son. And then I quickly realized that it was not us; it was her. And anyway, her her dad had had passed away in his sleep. So you know, we had one of our Camino family die. So that's obviously shocking and and all, but um, that was kind of the gist of I think why Rachel wrote that little letter to her siblings on the Camino. But yeah, so it was sad. But, um, the daughter, you know. She handled it beautifully, and you know, I guess that she got to spend time with them in doing something they both love, which is just great. Hmm. Where were you? We were in the town uh, on the. It was on the Primitivo, right before Lugo. Right. Okay. So, Golly. Um, you think he was in his seventies? Yeah, he's mid seventies, and mm. I, I think he had a he had a heart attack. But it was in his sleep, you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So he went peacefully. What a story, what an experience. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Tom. I really appreciate it. Um, we've all learned something from our discussion, I have absolutely no doubt. And and there are true joys to be found on the Camino, but from time to time there are challenges as well. Congratulations for having the courage to take your children with you on that journey and to experience some of the joys and indeed some of the hardships because no matter what we experience, I think we learn something from all of those opportunities. So thank you for taking the time to talk to us today and, and buen camino. Same to you. Appreciate you, Dan. Thanks. My guest this week is Thomas Duane and Tom told me the story just as I finished recording that the young lady who lost her father um, had actually spent the days leading up to that, interviewing him into her phone to find out his view of the world, his perspective, and some of his history and stories. It's just the most incredible thing. And then he died in his sleep, as he said, and the body was cremated that day, and the daughter ended up arriving in Lugo that night to have dinner with with Tom and Diane and the other members of their Camino family. And she got up and told stories and 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 they saluted the man who had passed away the night before, and then she went on to walk the rest of the Camino with her father's remains. The most extraordinary story, really. Remember what St. Bernard said, more things are learned in the woods than from books. Animals, trees and rocks teach you things not to be heard elsewhere. There's an old prayer. Traveller, there is no road. The road is made as you go. That's all we have time for this week. Thanks so much for your company. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, someone